Welcome to the Body, Mind, Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and this episode is the second part of a series about optimizing your neurotransmitters and well-being. If you haven't heard the first episode, then make sure you check it out. It's called Rule Number One, Stand Up Straight With Your Shoulders Back. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how to increase serotonin and dopamine levels from the perspective of the dominance hierarchy of lobsters. So let's get on with it. Of Lobsters and Men, Vault 2. Do you want to know what it is? Body, Mind, Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Okay, I'm going to also bring you up to speed. I'm going to give you a brief overview of the first episode. In part one, I talked about one of the most fundamental principles of your embodied experience of reality. Namely, that the way you hold your posture and in what physiological state you're in has a profound impact on your psychological state of mind and vice versa. Jordan Peterson wrote in his book The Twelve Rules of Life how male lobsters engage in brutal dominance fights between each other. So these creatures engage in, in dominance disputes, and, and I think dominance is the right way to think about it, because lobsters aren't very empathic and they're not very social, and so it really is the toughest lobster that wins. The winning lobster is going to experience a surge in the neurotransmitter serotonin, which is going to make it feel more confident and better about itself. Thus, it increases its chance of winning again in the future. They're gonna get access to more food, better mating opportunities and lower stress, which makes them hold themselves upright and with a dominant position. This is also going to lead to even more serotonin. You know, and what's so cool about the lobster is that when, when a lobster wins, he flexes and gets bigger, so he looks bigger. Because he's a winner, it's like he's advertising that. And, the biological, the neurochemical system that makes him flex is serotonergic. And you think, well, who cares? What the hell does that mean? Well, tell you what it means. It's the same chemical that's affected by antidepressants in human beings. And so, like, if you're depressed, you're a defeated lobster. Like, you're, you're like this. I'm small. I'm not, you know, things are dangerous. I don't want to fight. You give someone an antidepressant, it's like up. They stretch, and then they're ready to, like, take on the world again. Well, if you give lobsters who just got defeated in a fight serotonin, then they stretch out and they'll fight again. The losing lobster will start to feel inferior and pathetic because of a decrease in their position in the dominance hierarchy. This creates anxiety, low levels of serotonin, loss of pride, depression, and the feeling of being sentenced to death. That's what basically happens. The loser lobster will slouch over in fear and it will start taking less action in the future, which hinders their ability to win another fight ever again. Winning once is going to predict the future successes of a lobster because of the neurochemical performance enhancing effect, as well as the other boons that accompany being at the top of the dominance hierarchy. So it's apparently very good to be a winner, especially if you're a lobster. As the saying goes, like attracts more like, money makes more money, the rich get richer, winners keep winning and the losers keep losing. It's the compounding effect of momentum which Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world. Serotonin plays an important role in decision making, cognitive performance, risk seeking behavior and social affiliations. 
Low serotonin will lead to low serotonin producing behavior and depression. Therefore, if you ever want to get yourself back on the right track of health, wealth, love and happiness, you need to know how to manage and optimize your neurotransmitter even after having suffered from detrimental defeat. Standing up straight with your shoulders back is the first and easiest thing you can do to change your perspective on the world and your place in it. It's very difficult to feel depressed and sad if your physiology emanates confidence and pride. The problem with slouching over or suffering from low serotonin levels is that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're stressed out, then you're less likely to do anything that could potentially get you out of that rut because you're already so overwhelmed. And serotonin regulates negative emotion, and the more negative emotion that you experience, the more cortisol you produce, and cortisol in high levels is toxic and it suppresses your immune system, so your brain gets damaged and you, you gain weight and you get diabetes and maybe you develop Alzheimer's disease and you're more prone to cancer and heart disease and all of those things, and so that's just not so good. So you need to be constantly assessing yourself and asking, are you a losing lobster? It doesn't matter where you are in life right now, whether that be happy, sad, depressed, winning or losing, I still want to go through this hypothetical scenario where you do find out that you are a losing lobster, that you've lost and you're now at the bottom of the dominance hierarchy, especially at the bottom of the dominance hierarchy in your own head. Obviously, that's a very bad place to be. You're going to experience more stress, negative feelings and no desire to do anything. You may even go like, what do you mean I should straighten up my shoulders? I'm a loser. Everything's shit. What's the point? What's the point indeed? That's a very dangerous slippery slope because this feeling of apathy and sorrow is one of the worst emotional states to be in. I don't want to get into too much woo-woo stuff about emotional vibrations or anything, but, but I do want you to pay attention to how different emotions affect your entire perspective on reality. If you're a winning lobster with confidence-boosting chemicals running through your body, then you will experience more positive emotions and you'll feel better. On the flip side, the losing lobster will start to hate and despise itself because of not being successful. And because it will most likely lose again in the next fight, it'll stay in this state at the bottom of the hierarchy. Consequently, the losing lobster may start to feel that nothing works. That no matter what it does, it won't see any changes. Part of it is because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The lobster won't even put in as much effort as it could because it doesn't believe it's capable of winning anymore. Why try? Why is it so hard? There's no point. With that, the lobster experiences more apathy and loses all of its juice for life. That's why apathy and the feeling of giving up is one of the worst emotional states to be in. With emotions like hate, fear or anger, you can at least do something about it and you can leverage that energy into potentially taking action. But with apathy and resentfulness, you won't even do that. So it's literally dragging you down the longer you stay in that sand pit. So it's literally dragging you down the longer you stay there. Therefore, the first thing you have to do is notice that you are experiencing apathy and low serotonin. Ask yourself, are you actually enjoying your life right now? 
Is there any spark in your eyes or sprinkle in your steps? Are you exactly there where you want to be? Of course, things could always get a little better, but are you at least satisfied with what you've got? Either way, you can be very grateful for what you have, or you can use it as motivation to get where you want to get. One dangerous sign of apathy is your sleep. Are you sleeping properly? Do you get enough deep sleep? How energized and motivated do you feel in the morning? Are you having trouble waking up and would you simply want to nap all the time just so you wouldn't have to deal with the challenges of life? If you feel overwhelmed by even the smallest tasks and unpredictable events such as losing your wallet or getting upset by having to do extra work, then it may indicate that you're overtaxed and that your nervous system is starting to wear out. These are the first warning signs to look out for. Low levels of dopamine are another issue that walk hand in hand with serotonin deficient depression. I think that people have created this negative connotation in regards to dopamine and they associate it with addictions, binge eating, porn and social media. It's true that you can mess up your dopamine levels and make yourself addicted to these kinds of stimulating things. However, from an evolutionary perspective, Dopamine is an amazing and necessary thing that's actually responsible for the development of our species. So what is it? There are many types of dopamine, but in the brain it functions as a neurotransmitter, which is a chemical that's released by neurons to communicate with other nerve cells. The biggest role of dopamine is to direct reward-motivated behavior, to make you do certain things that your mind deems to be good for you. That's why you experience a surge in dopamine whenever you score a goal in soccer, or whenever you eat delicious food, or whenever you have sex. Any form of accomplishment that makes you feel, yes, I did it, will increase dopamine and is going to make you want to repeat that action in the future. However, in our modern environments, we're able to artificially spike our dopamine levels through the roof by eating chips, watching porn, drinking alcohol, entertainment and other types of sensory stimulation, especially if you do them all at once. People are running high on too much dopamine from the moment they open their eyes until they go back to sleep because of spending so much time on smartphones and constantly having something to stimulate them. It's mental masturbation. This can lead to the person becoming desensitized to the effects of dopamine and either become addicted or depressed. The same is true with low levels of serotonin, like in the example of the losing lobster, who probably hasn't got a shot of dopamine in a long time. Without dopamine, you'd be clinically depressed because you'll just lose all of your joy for life and nothing motivates you. Nothing springs you into action. Depression and low dopamine are most popularly linked to low serotonin. There are many things that can cause low dopamine. Diets high in processed sugars and fats can suppress dopamine. You can also be deficient of one of the amino acid L-tyrosine, which is one of the major building blocks of dopamine. Other cofactors needed to convert L-tyrosine into dopamine are complex B vitamins, copper, zinc and iron. Vitamin D synthesis can activate dopamine, so getting enough natural sunlight is crucial for both your sleep cycles as well as motivation. Seasonal affective disorder and depression are very much linked to lack of vitamin D. Drugs like antidepressants, some hard medications and antipsychotics tend to suppress dopamine over the long term. 
Antidepressants like serotonin reuptake inhibitors can increase serotonin, but they have been found to work only 40% of the time. They're also not very effective because they treat the symptoms, not the root cause. Unless you fix the root cause of low dopamine and low serotonin, then you will end up constantly trying to fix the symptoms, which won't lead to any improvement. With that being said, antidepressants can be still very effective in treating depression if you're simply having an imbalance in your brain chemistry. Maybe you need to experience just a momentary reuptake in serotonin so you could regain your vigor and that would ignite you on the path of taking action towards other activities that increase dopamine and serotonin. Most of the time it's still a wild cards game and you have to fix the other causes before trying anything like that because I would presume taking antidepressants over the long term will seriously mess up your brain chemistry. I don't need it. I don't need it. Your smartphone can also drain your dopamine. There's evidence to show that the electromagnetic radiation emitted from cell phones disrupts levels of dopamine, serotonin and norepinephrine. Another thing is the social media addiction where constantly checking your Facebook and Instagram posts will definitely spark up dopamine and can lead to some dopamine inefficiencies. I need it! Supplements like melatonin and 5-hydroxytryptophan can deplete dopamine. Herbal remedies like mulberry, noni fruit, magnolia bark and licorice root can get rid of excess dopamine which can work if you're experiencing too high levels of dopamine. These things are great for battling addiction and balancing your hormones, but if you're already experiencing low dopamine, then it may not be such a good idea to overconsume these kinds of herbs that sedate you. The same with melatonin and 5-hydroxytryptophan. They can be great for improving your sleep cycles and boosting serotonin, but you can't take them out of context as either good or bad, and you never want to become addicted to them. How ironic would it be to become addicted to dopamine antagonistic agents? Ah, I need to get my hit of low dopamine. That's crazy. But let me repeat it once more. I need to get my hit of low dopamine. That's an important thing to remember because emotional states, whether they be highly motivated emotions or emotions of apathy and sorrow, they can both become addictive to you. Emotional addiction is huge and it applies both ways. First of all, it's like, I need to feel motivated, I have to have only enthusiasm and I'm going to block out everything all else that's negative. Versus the second one, I'm feeling so sad and remorseful, but I kind of like it because it fills up some sort of an emotional hole in my psyche. Being addicted to low emotional states is very real, and it happens when people spend too much time in a semi-depressed state. It becomes normal to them, and they kind of get used to it, so their brain starts to rationalize it away. Man, things aren't going that well, but... I guess that's how it's supposed to be because I like it. You start to feel safe and secure in your low emotional state of apathy because you experience it so often. Anything new or exciting creates chaos and is unpredictable, so you're gonna run away from it. Even if this spark of novelty can bring about a positive change and pleasure, you still wanna avoid it because you're experiencing low emotions. 
if you were to try and experience something new, then you will endanger that low emotion you currently have and you're afraid of losing it. It's like you're attached to the sorrow or feeling of meaninglessness because it's the only thing you have, which paradoxically by its nature is what's making you feel that way. This comes to show again how the self-fulfilling prophecies and vicious cycles are so powerful. First, you'll experience low dopamine and low serotonin, which makes you less eager to take action in the world. Secondly, you'll indulge in less exploratory behavior and take less risks because you want to stay safe and secure in that low motivated state. And thirdly, this is going to keep suppressing dopamine and serotonin because you're not going to do the things that could potentially raise your neurotransmitter levels and that's going to start reinforce the same feedback loop all over again. I mean, once a certain emotional state or state of well-being becomes accustomed to you, then you're going to get so used to it and it becomes your default state of being. The emotions you feel most often during the day become your default state. Honestly, like 90% of the emotions you experience during the day are the same ones you experienced the day before. Really think about it and challenge your emotional state of well-being. Are you experiencing something just because of habit or is something suppressing you down? Maybe it's sleep. Maybe you're not getting enough sunlight, which is crucial. Maybe you lack meaningful relationships and emotional connections. Maybe it's hidden mold growing in your house that's causing an inflammatory response. Maybe it's addiction to social media, caffeine or sugar. Whatever it may be, you have to first identify what potentially is messing up your motivation levels. It's probably a combination of many things because the more stressed out you are and the less motivated you are, the more eager you are to indulge in toxic habits like emotional binge eating, watching TV all throughout the night, alcoholism or smoking. The key is raising awareness about these sources because awareness creates choice. With choice, you can change your behavior and if you change your behavior, you can alter the neurochemical state of your brain and completely transform your life. You should start noticing how often and in what situations you're experiencing these symptoms of low dopamine and serotonin. Things like lack of motivation, exhaustion, insomnia, mood issues, memory loss, low libido and sugar cravings. It's the same stuff that's causing all the other diseases and problems already. That's why you can't take it at face value and put a label of low dopamine on everything. There's the danger of thinking that any smallest sign of fatigue or sad mood immediately means you have depression and serotonin deficiency. That can quickly become a self-fulfilling prophecy and your mind can start making shit up because it's confirmation bias. You want to confirm the beliefs you already have, especially after you've listened to this podcast episode. You may start noticing things that you previously didn't notice, like, man, food doesn't taste the same way it used to. I'm not able to get out of bed in five seconds anymore. I must be put under antidepressants. Give me my drugs. That's not probably the case. Maybe you simply slept bad and you ate some gluten which gave you brain fog. Instead of creating another biased self-fulfilling prophecy in your head, you have to start following a holistic lifestyle that would cure the causes of your suffering rather than expecting some miracle drug to fix you. Andy, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. It's just that life is pointless and nothing matters and I'm always tired. Also, I can't sleep. I'm overeating. 
None of my old hobbies interest me. I'm fine. So, we started off with lobsters fighting for their serotonin levels. Then we walked through imbalanced dopamine levels and emotional addictions. And now it's time I give you some actionable steps you can try and experiment with to see how it affects your brain's neurochemistry and your default state of mind. Let's start off with serotonin because we're still in the realms of lobsters and men. Serotonin regulates your mood, emotions, memory, sleep, body temperature and happiness. So it's a good, pretty good idea to try to optimize it. Number one, get some sunlight. Exposure to natural sunlight promotes vitamin D synthesis and serotonin levels. It will also improve your sleep cycles and circadian rhythms, which will prevent poor sleep. You should try to expose yourself to the morning light as soon as you wake up and spend about 10 to 15 minutes outside. Getting enough blue light during the morning parts of the day is also important for boosting your alertness. At night, however, you want to block out the blue light because it will suppress melatonin production and makes you sleep worse. I've been using some blue blocking glasses for over a year and I noticed a significant improvement in my sleep quality if I wear them. A few weeks ago I bought the True Dark glasses that are red in color and they block out absolutely all artificial light. They look like these serious serial killer goggles. But they're amazing. You look like Riddick. You look like Vin Diesel from the Chronicles of Riddick. I bowed to no man. I looked at the sleep data from my aura ring and I gained like 10 to 15% more deep sleep every night. That's quite crazy to think about because I was already using glasses that blocked out most of the blue light, but apparently it wasn't enough. Now imagine someone who's not using any protective eyewear and they're looking at computer screens up until they go to bed. Their melatonin will be severely suppressed and it takes many hours of sleep before melatonin can begin to rise again. That's why I think you should definitely install some software such as Flux or Iris on your laptop to dim the screen. On my Android smartphone I'm using an app called Twilight. Definitely you should also get some blue blocking glasses. The true dark glasses are probably the best ones out there, but you can also get Swannies, which are less expensive, but they're probably less effective as well. I'll leave the links to all of these things I talked about in the show notes with discount code and stuff, so check them out. Number two, optimize your micronutrients. Next up is getting enough complex B vitamins. B vitamins are crucial for energy production and nerve cell functioning. Vitamins B1, B2, B6... Vitamin D, folic acid, selenium, calcium and magnesium are needed to make serotonin. Vitamin B6 in particular promotes serotonin in the brain. Salmon, halibut, chicken, turkey, beef are the highest sources of B6. But it's also found in spinach, cauliflower, turnips, garlic, celery and mustard greens. Number 3. Carbohydrates like sweet potatoes, rice, quinoa, buckwheat or straight up cheesecake are very effective in boosting serotonin. It probably has to do with how your brain gets a lot of dopamine from sugar and glucose as well. This makes you feel very good and if you combine it with the post-meal mild hypoglycemia that makes you feel tired, then you've got yourself a great serotonin inducing concussion. Carbs aren't bad if you use them right, especially around your hardest workouts. Also, it comes to show that the best time to eat carbs ever would be in the evening as post-workout, so you would use them for replenishing your muscle glycogen and promoting sleep, not for fat storage. 
Long periods of too low carb or ketogenic dieting can also make you deficient in serotonin or dopamine. And if you have thyroid problems, then you're going to make that issue even worse. So it's a good idea to occasionally cycle on and off ketosis just to keep your metabolism flexible. I've got a few articles and programs on this type of cyclical ketogenic dieting if you're interested. So it's called the keto carb cycle and it may work for some people. Number four, the amino acid tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. Foods high in tryptophan are poultry, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds and turkey. That's why a lot of people report the post-Thanksgiving dinner drowsiness. They simply ate too much turkey, maybe had some pumpkin pie with some sweet potatoes and BAM! You knock yourself out with some good old tryptophan-induced serotonin. Other foods that can increase dopamine and serotonin are almonds, chocolate, turmeric, cinnamon, blueberries, green tea and coffee. But the thing with coffee is that you can get addicted to caffeine and too much coffee will definitely make you more anxious than relaxed. Curcumin from turmeric, however, has antidepressant effects, so it's an amazing thing to add to your diet. Number 5. Exercise Once you've got your sleep and diet covered, then you should definitely add exercise. Exercise can boost serotonin, increase BDNF, elevate mood and promote dopamine. Exercise has been shown to affect the brain the same way antidepressants do. On a neurochemical level, there's not much difference between doing crack, snorting sugar or exercising. But exercise comes with all the other health benefits and endorphins that will make you want to be more active by default. It will also make your mitochondria produce more energy and that will increase your vigor and daily energy levels automatically. The reason I think some people feel so tired and depressed is that they're not moving enough. They're not getting enough sunlight, they're oversleeping, their gut isn't able to absorb the nutrients from food and their mitochondria have become sluggish. Mitochondrial degeneration is becoming more and more thought to be the root cause of aging, cognitive decline and metabolic disease. It gets traced back to how your body produces energy and what type of stresses you adapt to. Even light movement like walking or rebounding can boost mood and immunity, but you should definitely implement some form of resistance training and high-intensity cardio to prevent the loss of muscle mass. Number 6. Soft tissue massage and foam rolling can also re-optimize your neurochemicals. A study done at the Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami School of Medicine found that one good massage increased serotonin by 28% and decreased cortisol by 31%. That's so awesome that we now have research institutes dedicated to touch because touching and physical contact are a critical part of not only child development but also for overall emotional well-being. It's crazy that hugging, snuggling or simply shaking hands with other people alters your emotions and makes you produce the happiness neurochemicals. It's definitely something that tends to suffer even more with the technology we're using and we lack real intimate connection with others which is why so many people are addicted to smartphones or TV. Physical touch and intimacy also increase oxytocin which is another brain chemical amongst the bunch. It's also called the love molecule. Breastfeeding and taking care of offspring are crucial oxytocin valves between a mother and her child. In animals, if you block the release of oxytocin, the parent will reject its offspring. It makes sense from the perspective of the lobster's dominance hierarchy as well. 
the lobster who loses won't get access to that many mating opportunities and it becomes an outcast amongst its peers. The losing lobster literally becomes the loser kid at school who others start to avoid and of course this is gonna make it more prone to depression. When we talked about how apathy is one of the worst emotional states to be in, then guilt and shame in the eyes of your social group are much worse because it literally sends a message to your brain that says, Look at you, you piece of garbage, you lost the fight, you're weak, you're, you're, you're no good to your friends, you're just dead weight that's dragging down the entire group. Everyone would be better off if you just got rid of yourself. That's literally how your brain perceives public ridicule and shame. That's why you should never ruminate over these past emotional traumas that make you feel resentful or ashamed. Instead, smiling and positive physical touch can boost your dopamine and serotonin levels. I can't overemphasize the importance of how your physiology affects your psychology. This entire story about lobsters and how their posture affects their serotonin levels is a prime example, but it goes even deeper than that. For example, if you were to put a pencil between your mouth and force the smile on your face, then after a while, it's impossible to not start smiling naturally. Of course, part of it has to do with the fact that you look ridiculous with a pencil between your mouth, but most of it is also due to how the physical condition or the physical position releases these positive neurochemicals into your brain because your subconscious mind can't tell the difference whether or not you're actually smiling about something that's funny or you simply have a pencil between your mouth. It only interprets the messages it receives. This in turn will change your perspective of reality. There have been studies on how people with a happier emotional state can recognize more happier faces from a picture of a crowd. The people who are sad will start recognizing more sad faces because that's what their brain is focusing on. Therefore, your state of mind is like a filtering mechanism that starts seeking out things that fit your current emotional paradigm. If you're feeling depressed or sad, then take a look at your environment and see what's making you feel depressed and then get rid of it. What about some supplements? I'm not advising you to take antidepressants, but some herbs and compounds can be very good for balancing your neurotransmitters. 5-hydroxytryptophan has a much stronger serotonin boosting effect than your regular tryptophan laden turkey, but it can also have some side effects on dopamine levels. So 5-hydroxytryptophan can be used as a short-term serotonin reuptaking agent but not as a permanent solution. Inocytol is a vitamin-like substance that's found in animals and plants, and it helps with regulating neurochemicals that control mental conditions. The human body produces inocytol to a certain amount, but it probably gets depleted if you're experiencing a lot of emotional turmoil. Inocytol supplementation can boost serotonin in the brain and can calm down the nervous system. Vitamin D, magnesium, omega-3s, and DHA are definitely a priority as well. They're the most common deficiencies and they're all crucial for the brain and nervous system. Ginkgo biloba is a herb that's very good for brain health. It's been used in improving cognition for centuries and it can increase dopamine. Medicinal mushrooms like lion's mane, reishi, chaga, turkey neck and many more are great for reducing adrenal stress and promoting relaxation. 
L-theanine in green tea increases serotonin and dopamine while giving a more sustained response of energy. Bacoba monieri has been found to have neuroprotective properties in rats with dysfunctional dopamine receptors. It's a herb that's been used in Ayurvedic medicine and there are some nootropic or cognitive enhancing properties as well. St. John's Worts is a very common herb used for depression and anxiety. It can also increase serotonin in the brain. Rhodiola rosea is an adaptogenic herb that reduces anxiety and boosts mood. It can also help to balance your hormones and virility. Playing or listening to music can also release dopamine. I listed music under this category because I think that music is like a nootropic or a drug that can put you into certain states of mind. You can literally make yourself feel good or bad about yourself by listening to certain songs. So you have to be very careful with what messages you're sending to your brain. If you want to get a really good serotonin boosting supplement that combines everything together, then check out Natural Stack's Serotonin Brain Food. It supports a positive mood, promotes calmness and relieves stress. The ingredients are all very good for balancing your neurotransmitters. They are rhodiola rosea, L-tryptophan, magnesium, vitamin B3 and zinc. You can get a 25% discount if you use my referral link on all of their nootropics and supplements. I'll leave the link in the description. In general, I hope you can see how being this sad, depressed lobster literally drains you all of your joy of life. It's very difficult to climb out of that pit of low serotonin and dopamine, but you have to begin somewhere. If you can't seem to spring yourself into positive action as to give yourself a boost in confidence, then the first and easiest thing you can do is still stand up straight with your shoulders back. And one of the other things that's really cool about lobsters is that, um, let's say you've been like top lobster for a long time, but you're getting kind of old and some young lobster just, you know, wails the hell out of you and, and so you're all depressed. But the thing is, your brain is dominant. But you don't have much of a brain because you're a lobster. And so now what are you going to do? Because you just lost. And the answer is, well, your brain will dissolve. And then you'll grow a subordinate brain. Yeah, and so that's worth thinking about too, right? Here for a couple of reasons. First of all, if any of you have ever been seriously defeated in life, you know what that's like. It's like it's a death, a descent, a, a dissolution. And if you're lucky, a regrowth and, and maybe not as the same person. That's what happens to people with post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Their brains undergo permanent neurological transformation. It doesn't matter how many supplements you take or how well you sleep if you still slouch over and send depressive messages to your brain. Your physiology is intertwined with your psychology and your mind takes your sensory experiences and perceives them as reality, whatever the actual case may be. And, and they then inhabit a world that's much more dangerous than the world that they inhabited to begin with. But we also know too, if you have post-traumatic stress disorder or depression, that your hippocampus shrinks, right? It dies and shrinks. And you can sometimes get it to grow back. Your hippocampus shrinks and your amygdala grows. And the amygdala increases emotional sensitivity. And the hippocampus inhibits emotional sensitivity. And so if you've been badly defeated, the hippocampus shrinks and the amygdala grows. Now, if you recover, the hippocampus will regrow. And antidepressants actually seem to help that, but the damn amygdala never shrinks again. And so, well, so that's another lesson from the lobster. It's quite a terrifying one, but, but it's one, like, it's so interesting that you can relate to that, right? It's like, I get what that poor crustacean's going through, you know. <laughs> so, let's bring it all together and make some concluding remarks. Rule number one is to still stand up straight with your shoulders back.
Secondly, don't let your defeats and losses keep you in a state of defeat. The challenges and struggles you face can only make you better. Only your mindset about them determines whether or not you'll end up depressed or victorious. Thirdly, don't get addicted to your emotional states, whether that be the highly motivating dopamine rush or the low emotional states of apathy and sorrow. They're equally as dangerous if your happiness and well-being have to depend upon a particular feeling. Fourth, go outside to catch some sunlight every day and spend time in nature. It has incredible antidepressive benefits and it rejuvenates your self-awareness stores. Fifth, take your sleep hygiene more seriously by blocking out blue light in the evening and following the circadian rhythm. Six. Eat serotonin-promoting foods like turkey, pumpkin seeds, sweet potatoes, and every once in a while, you can't give yourself the cake. 7. Exercise and move your body. You should get a sweat on every day and stay active. 8. Build intimate and compassionate relationships that include hugging, physical touch, meaningful interactions, and emotional vulnerability. It's an innate need and desire of the human psyche to be a part of a social group. 9. Stop feeling guilty and ashamed about yourself. You should definitely kick yourself in the ass in times of need, but don't become obsessed with past failures or mistakes. Learn from them and move forward. And 10. Optimize your neurotransmitters by taking medicinal mushrooms, adaptogenic herbs and other supplements. Definitely you can check out Jordan Peterson's book as well, as well as stay tuned for future episodes. I would love if you could leave us a review on iTunes and other social media platforms because, first of all, it's going to boost my serotonin levels. <laughs> I'm going to get more confidence in doing this, I'm going to get more positive feedback, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't be making these videos or podcasts even if I didn't get any reviews or if, if someone criticized me, I would keep doing them, but it helps, it helps a ton. But thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you straighten up your posture, get some serotonin in your brain, keep taking action, keep crushing it. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay optimized, stay empowered.